And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. From the Golden Gate to the New York Bay. What I have access to is a bit different than the public. Tamper with you. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam King, Anthony Slater, uh-huh. and Fred Katz. To be able to bring people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executive in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Is right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. It's <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention Dean's anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. Hey, baby, I don't tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Here's your host, Sam Amick. Welcome to a special edition of the Tampering Podcast. I'm not Sam Amick. I'm Andrew Schlecht, uh, typically the producer of this show, but this is everything that's happening right now is very indicative of the time of year it is. Uh, Sam's traveling, and we could not figure out a time for this to work. He basically had just time in the middle of the night to record, and uh, he should be sleeping, and so I believe he's probably sleeping right now. Uh, we got Fred Katz, though, who decided not to sleep and decided to join us on the podcast instead. Uh, Fred, uh, man, I don't even know where to start with this series because I don't recognize this Miami Heat team. I watched this team all season. I just thought they weren't very good. And then we get to the playoffs and everything that I thought about the Miami Heat is now like suddenly untrue. Andrew, I feel like you're burying the lead here. I feel I feel like we need to talk about the shirt that I'm wearing right now. We need to talk about the shirt that I understand. Looks, looks like you peeled it off of a lime and just put it onto your body. I I understand that that this is an audio medium. <laughs> I also understand that I have a YouTube channel and that it's up for debate whether or not this is going That's on right. there or not. Because I it's it's not a lime. It's like if the the color of this shirt is like if a lime took if a lime des- a lime decided to take shrooms. That's what the color <laughs> of this shirt is. Well, I would say like with the way that and the neckline is though, it does look like it was peeled off of something. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean like it it's a very old double XL <laughs> footlocker sleeping shirt. Uh I woke up Five minutes before this podcast, got yeah. six and a half seconds of sleep. Yeah. Uh, so, so this is you're right. This is this is really it. I mean, this is this is the most unflat. We're zooming right now. It's the most unflattering angle you could possibly have of me. The computer's not even on a desk. It's on my lap, and it's looking up at me. Like my my nose hair trimmer has a better angle of my face. It's. It's a heck of a time. Yes, I have no idea what what the Miami Heat are right now. I mean, it is props to Eric Spolstra, props to all their role players mm-hmm. for and 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 the Heat by the way are playing the Knicks and are up 3-1 in the series after after their win on Monday night in Miami. They are you know what it turns out this team's identity is and we didn't know it in the regular season because we didn't have enough context to see it. But this team's identity is they are freaking chameleons. Yeah. Oh my goodness. They're it's not even that they don't look like the heat of the regular season, who I agree. I just kind of thought weren't very good too. And we and you know Jimmy Butler's gonna bring in the playoffs, you know? And you Sure. You know the role players are are talented. But you didn't know that, for example, Kyle Lowry was going to all of a sudden become the guy who the Heat thought they were signing a couple of years ago. Uh, no. He's been great in this series, like fantastic. He's been coming off the bench, and the Knicks have no idea what to do with him. 
he is out hustling every single person on the floor, which is a very Kyle Lowry thing. But the thing is, he's doing it while while making shots. He's doing it while hurting guys off the dribble. He's I think maybe Miami found something with Lowry coming off the bench. Like maybe maybe this is something that will work for them long term. But what's unbelievable about what Miami is doing right now is they it's not that they're winning like they didn't during the regular season. You know, it, they're not it's rare, but they're not the first eight seed ever to win a series. And you know what? Ironically, they won't be the first eight seed to win two series if they close this out against the Knicks, because the only other team that was an eight seed and won multiple series was the 99 Knicks, who yep. obviously famously beat the number one seeded Heat in the first round of that year in the playoffs. Uh, what's amazing to me is that they're doing it while assuming the Knicks' identity. You know, in game four, they just crushed the Knicks on the boards, like the offensive boards. They had, they had seven offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter, and that doesn't include one time where the Knicks were going after an offensive rebound and stepped out, another time where they were going for an offensive rebound and they loose ball fouled the Heat. The Heat missed nine shots and got nine times the Heat missed a shot in the fourth quarter of that game and got the ball back. The Heat were bottom half of the league in offensive rebound rates during the regular season. And, and the Knicks, their entire identity is on the boards. Like, their entire identity is on the boards. The Heat grabbed 38% of available offensive rebounds, which is a ridiculous number in game four. The Knicks grabbed 24. The Knicks are not designed. I, I Honestly, something I think is almost poetic in this series is that, you know, the rebounding battle is exactly even for the series. <laughs> exactly. To a T. <laughs> Which, which means have, which means that the Knicks have lost big time. Exactly. Well, somebody must be getting up even earlier than me and reading the athletic because that was what my story was off of that game. Yep. I did. I read it. The, <laughs> the Heat The Heat have a 34 31.4% offensive rebound rate. That means they they've grabbed 31.4% of their own missed shots. The Knicks also have 31.4. The Heat have a 68.6% defensive rebound rate. So do the Knicks. It's dead even. And the Knicks are built to destroy teams on the glass. That is why they are good. They 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 missed a lot of shots, but they were third in the league in points per possession because they get their misses all the time. And not only do they get their misses all the time, they actually are, are arguably the best second chance offense in the league, not just because of the amount of possessions they create. They, they take more threes per 100 second chance possessions than any other team in the NBA. Like this is a team that operates very well in second chance positions and Miami destroyed them in that in game four they've they've destroyed the Knicks going for loose balls again that's the Knicks thing the Knicks were supposedly the deeper team coming into the series and the role players have outplayed the Knicks role players I mean it's just they've assumed the Knicks identity and uh and beaten them at it it's it's an amazing transformation it really is what did you see post game from the Knicks because they just seemed uh at least Julius Randle just seemed pretty despondent after this one yeah, Randall said maybe they want it more than us. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> it's maybe something that you honesty. say after you after you lose the last game, you know, of the series. But you're still in it. Like, yeah, you have I mean, look, to play. I'm never going to knock a guy for being honest in a press conference as long as he's not, you know, being a jerk. Yeah, the guy's being a jerk and he's being honest. He'll be like, okay, you're being a jerk, but he wasn't being a jerk. I'm never no. going to knock a guy for. Yeah, I'm never going to knock a guy for being honest in a press conference. I appreciate it when when they come out and, and talk like that. Uh, I don't think he's going to get killed for that quote, I feel like. Yeah. He's going to get definitely. killed for that quote. At the same time, who disagrees with him? Like, it is, is he just. It suppo- is the truth. It is the truth. Right, like that's what that's like what defense and rebounding is. I mean, you talk to some NBA players, and it's like, why? Like, how did you improve on defense this year? And a lot of times they'll say things like, "I wanted to," you know, <laughs> like I just wanted to do it. And it's sometimes it's as simple as that. Like sometimes I think we overcomplicate things, where like rebounding defense is like it is 
part of like wanting to do it and like wanting to throw your body into those situations. Totally. There, there have been in games three and four, both in Miami, there were at least four plays, maybe five. There were at least four plays where there was a loose ball, whether it was a rebound deflection, whatever. There were at least four plays where there was a loose ball and Kyle Lowry was on the floor for the loose ball and there were Knicks around him and no other Nick was on the floor. Kyle Lowry is, I actually just looked it up to make sure, Kyle Lowry is 107 years old. That... (laughs) It does feel like it. (laughs) I understand that Kyle Lowry... I personally think Kyle Lowry is a Hall of Famer, so I'm going to call him a Hall of Famer. I understand that Kyle Lowry is a Hall of Famer. I understand that this is Kyle Lowry's MO. No one has ever gone up against Kyle Lowry in a basketball game and played harder than him. Whether you're talking about before he was great Kyle Lowry, prime Kyle Lowry, champion Kyle Lowry, or the version of Kyle Lowry that we got in the regular season when he just looked like he didn't have it anymore. All-star. Kyle Lowry took two charges in the fourth quarter of the freaking all-star game. I know. They should just put him in every all-star game just so that people care. Just so people care and just get people going. Wait, have I given you my spiel? Like, that's my spiel. That's my thing. I mean, after the all-star game went to, we've talked so much. We talk a lot. I don't know. I don't know. The the all-star game, when it was terrible this year and nobody tried at all, even though two years ago everybody declared the All-Star game was back because of the Elam ending. My my whole spiel is that like it wasn't back because of the Elam ending. It was it was back because Kyle Lowry was out there taking charges and diving for balls, and everyone was like, holy crap, and just felt motivated. I think there should be a Kyle Lowry hustle player yeah. designated to both All-Star teams every year. Yeah. And it should just be someone of that vein. It, it doesn't even have to be like, it shouldn't be Kyle Lowry's an all-star caliber player in his prime. It shouldn't be someone who's an all-star caliber player. It should be like Gary Payton, the second. Yeah. Gary and his Payton job on is to team. go out there. Kenrich Williams on the other team. Here we go. Exactly. Exactly. And just let the Marcus smart out there. Like just, yeah. just have Marcus smart undercutting all-stars left and right, you know, and they're going to go hard. They're going to do it. You need that. You need that one guy. And, and and also when there's less skill and Marcus Smart is just like chucking his fourth three in the fourth quarter of the all-star game when he's next to like Steph, you know, people, it's, it's just the frustration is going to boil over. It's going to be great. Uh, you need that stuff. There's too much goodness in the all-star game. It's the problem. But with Lowry, it's like you got to meet him on the floor. Yeah. Um, you, you gotta, um, and, and there were times where Julius Randall was just hovering over him. Obi Toppin was just hovering over him. You're not going to be Kyle Lowry like that. Uh, and, and like people who listen to this podcast regularly know I am a massive nerd when it comes to basketball and I don't really throw out the who wants it more. And I don't think the Knicks are sitting there after games being like, oh, well, woe is me. Guess uh, guess we lost that one. And then the Heat are like, Heat after their one loss were like, you know, down in the dumps. Like, I don't, I don't think that's the case. But if you just base on their actions, like Randall's going to get killed for that. But he was, the Knicks should get killed for wanting it less, if that's actually true. But Randall shouldn't be killed for throwing it out there that that might be the case because we've just spent 12 minutes talking about how it it sure seems to be true. Yeah, I think he'll get killed because he is like one of the leaders, the all-star from this team. He is probably like the all-star caliber player that has played the worst in the playoffs, at least in the second round, I would say. Uh, last night was not great for him. Um, is it, How do they turn this around? Mentally, it just feels like they're, they're such an edge for the Heat. But is, is I mean, it's not over. 
It's it's three one. It feels over, but we've seen this story before a lot. I mean, if they can go back and get game five, and then somehow scrape by and get game six. I mean, this is this is a Heat team that's starting Kevin Love, and like Kevin Love's been great. He's played really well, but when you're giving tons of minutes to to guy, I mean, Cody Zeller and Kevin Love are like a part of your big man rotation. The the Knicks are a very talented team, even without quickly. Like, they should be able to take care of business against this Heat team. Um, like, what what needs to be done for the Knicks to get this back on track? Yeah. The other thing that I'll add, by the way, when you talk about the series that Randall has had, and he was not good in the Cleveland series either, Yeah, is he's saying maybe they want it more. The reason, if you're going to kill him, the reason to do it, is because his effort level has been very questionable for large portions of the series. Ga- game three was, um, you know, I, I wrote about that. I wrote a big story about that. Like game game three, his effort level, his his defense, his inability to get back in transition, the, all of it was such a problem and and really yep. hurt them. Uh, how can they turn it around? The easy answer is the Heat have beat them in all the things that they're good at, so be good at the things you're good at again. Mm-hmm. Hit someone on the boards. Beat them to some damn loose balls. The Knicks are a good loose ball team. Part of that, by the way, is because they have Manuel Quickly, who's a great loose ball player, uh, and and they don't have him, or at least they didn't have him for game four. Knicks have said he's day-to-day. We'll see if he plays game five. He was in a walking boot. On Monday, so so we'll see exactly. That's not a good sign. No, and game and game game five is on Wednesday, so we'll see what happens. And it wasn't just like a protective walking boot for when he was on the bench; he was like full time walking boot. So hmm. so we'll see what happens there. Um, let's operate under the assumption that he doesn't play. I think like slicing the rotation is very possible. Um, you know, like Obi Toppin, for example, got benched in the second half of this this game. Julius Randle just kind of went the whole way. I wouldn't be shocked if we saw just Josh Hart get the backup four minutes. If if he's out there with Jimmy Butler, Josh Hart's been the primary Jimmy Butler defender. You have Quentin Grimes on Jimmy Butler in those moments. Um, they got to shore up the rebounding. They they consistently it's it's not just Mitchell Robinson. I, I didn't think Hartenstein has been really really good in the playoffs, but I did not think he was great in Game Four. Uh, the offensive composure is something that that will be that will be big. Um, they they keep doing the same thing on offense, which is somebody drives into the paint. The Heat are banking on the fact that the Knicks are not a good three point shooting team. They're collapsing in on the paint. The Knicks are kicking out for threes, and then whoever gets the ball on the perimeter doesn't want to shoot a three because the Heat are banking on them not shooting threes. And he just drives into the same crowd. And they need to find some way offensively to beat that. Um, you know, I I, I wonder, there, there are certain technical things maybe the Knicks can try out. Uh, for example, talk about Kevin Love. Like, they're showing and recovering on those pick and rolls, on those pick and pops. Maybe you just switch them. Uh, yeah. The way they're guarding the way they're guarding Jimmy Butler, they're bringing a lot of double teams early on Jimmy Butler. What's happening is Butler, Butler just never. How have we barely talked about Jimmy Butler? <laughs> and bam, what's wrong with us? <laughs> I don't know. Bam was so good, especially in the first half. I think he had five dunks in the first half. Like he was just finding his way to the hoop over and over again. He's honestly extraordinary. Yeah. I I I did not have an awards vote this year. I know he was not a top three guy. I I I said at the end of the regular season, I think I would have voted for him for defensive player of the year. He he I I good now. It's looking pretty good now, Fred. He you know what it is with him, and we've seen it in this series. People talk about how versatile of a defender Bam is. And obviously that is extremely true. Mm-hmm. Might be the most versatile defender in the NBA, like him and Draymond. Yeah. 
But when people say versatile, I think what they mean is they mean that he is great guard in the perimeter. He's great guard in the paint. You can switch him onto anyone, one through five. You can start him on a bunch of different kinds of players. Like that's what they mean by versatile. But he's actually versatile beyond that. Miami plays more zone than any team I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And there are some guys who aren't that good in the zone because they don't know how to play his own. Bam is just as good in the zone as he is in a man-to-man. Yeah. Part of the reason they can run all that zone, even though they, they, they run a lot of zone with their bench unit and, and Bam is not always on the floor in those situations because they like to run zone when Duncan Robinson is on the floor. Uh, and they do it when Jimmy's not on the floor. But like game two, when they didn't have Jimmy Butler, they ran zone for 49 of the 93 possessions in that game. It was unbelievable to see an NBA team run zone for 50-some-odd possessions of a game, 50-some-odd uh, percent possessions of of a playoff game and just junk it up, and they almost won that game. Bam, Bam is extraordinary intellectually, uh, he, he's been amazing defensively in this series. And my goodness, the Knicks cannot get around his screens. He finally got called for an illegal screen in game four. I don't know why he got called for that one and hasn't been called for every other screen that he's set in this series. This is not me complaining about the officials. This is not even a critique of the officials. This is admiration of Bam Adebayo, who you show me a legal screen and I'll show you a crappy screen. Like it's Kevin Garnett never set a legal screen in his whole life. The great screeners, the awesome generational screeners set illegal screens every single time. And for some reason they just don't get called for it. They just, they are so good at getting away with trouble. Like they, they they are, they're troublemakers and they get away with it. Tim Duncan was like that. Kevin Garnett was like that. Bam is absolutely like that. And by the way, he's not he's not dirty. He just moves a little bit at the last second to make sure he screens you up and he doesn't get called. And I would love to tell you why he is able to get away with it and other guys aren't. But I don't know. NBA officials can't even figure it out, let alone me. But it happens. Um he's 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 been great, and in terms of Knicks adjustments, like they've been they've been bringing over double teams on Jimmy real early, um, and, and and Jimmy Butler just he's just never going to fight the double. He just yeah. he is just never going to do it, and he's never going to panic, and he's always going to recognize it. Another guy who's just as smart as he is talented when it comes to playing the game, and and Knicks are sending when they send doubles, Butler's getting off the ball early and putting the Knicks in rotation. The Knicks have not been good in rotation. They 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 have not, especially those. The Heat have gotten a ton of threes off of that, often spot up corner threes. Uh, it's happened time and time again, and uh, that's another thing the Knicks can shore up. Either maybe don't double Butlers as aggressively, or you know the Knicks are capable of rotating well. They're not an elite defense, but they are they are capable of rotating well. A lot of these are because. Like Julius Randle isn't going hard in rotation. He's not going hard in help. Like a lot of it is because of stuff like that. And that's fixable if you want it as much as the heat, I guess, you know? Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight? Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paolo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Is it possible that they just don't play Julius as many minutes? Like, what's what's the uh, what's the path no. to them not playing Julius as much? No. 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 It's not possible. No. No. Next. But quote. <laughs> Why? Why? Quote a guy we covered. Next question. Why? Well, let's. Are we assuming Quickly's out? I mean, yeah, if he's in a walking boot all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's. All right. Let's do something. Let's assume that Quickly is out for Game Four. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, I'm not even going to answer this question by telling you Game Five. Game five. He was sorry. out for game four. We don't even have to assume it. It happened. We- <laughs> no need to. It's true. It's true. I mean, you think it happened. You don't know what you saw. <laughs> Who knows? They they played a fake game, sent it out to your TV. It's my conspiracy. Uh, let's assume. Let's assume that that he's out for game four, and assume that he's out for game five. Okay, I can do that. Great. All right. Beyond the fact that, aside from one fourth quarter in the first round against Cleveland when when Randall was very hurt, Tibbs is just always going to pour endless amount of faith into Julius Randall. And mm-hmm. he got killed for that last season. I mean, yeah. Randall really struggled last season. And, and, and not just like struggled shooting the ball, but his effort level was way down. His body language was way down. It affected teammates in the locker room. It affected people with that organization. Tibbs continued to believe in Julius, and Tibbs got killed for it. I mean, there are a lot of people who who would just like, they did not understand the leash that he was giving Julius after Julius was was constantly just kind of not trying on defense, uh, not running back on defense because he was arguing with refs and not making good decisions with the ball and, and all this stuff. And and this season is in part 
where Randall had this fantastic redemption season, it's in part because Tibbs never wavering on his belief in him. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think that's stopping now. Uh, I, I really don't. Here's the other reason that's that's more practical. All right. So quickly doesn't play, let's say. That means you got R.J. Barrett, one. Julius Randle, two. Mitchell Robinson, three. Quentin Grimes, four. Jalen Brunson, five. Josh Hart, six. Isaiah Hartenstein, seven. Those are seven guys who Tibbs trusts. Obi Toppin got benched mm-hmm. for the entire second half of game four. Yeah. Wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't play at all in game five. Uh, if he does play in game five, I think there's the best chance or the the, the best um, – my best guess on how he's used is similar to game four, which is he comes out, he gets a little chance, and if he doesn't look good, he's gone. Now you're playing with seven guys. Two of them are centers who aren't going to play together. One of them is R.J. Barrett, and the rest of them are six, four, or shorter. Yeah. Uh Randall's going to play. I mean, Josh Josh Hart can get the backup minutes at the four. He can do it. I I, I really think even when Kevin Love is out there, like make, make Kevin Love adjust to you, you know? Like yeah. make have, – have Josh Hart guard Kevin Love. You shouldn't He's, even have to say it. You shouldn't even have to say yeah. that. The size, the size difference is massive, but but you know what? Toppin Toppin almost has the illusion of size, like he's taller. Yeah, but he's not he's not a better box out guy than Josh Hart. He's not more physical than Josh Hart. If he's stronger than Josh Hart, he doesn't play hard. He doesn't play stronger than Josh Hart. Like like you can you can switch on those pick and pops with Kevin Love, probably with with Hart. Um, I I I think. You know, Love might get rebounding positioning against against Hart, but Hart is the best rebounding six five and under player in the league. Maybe it's an argument. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Westbrook like Westbrook is still three. amazing at it. Yeah, Westbrook yeah. is still amazing at it. Um, yeah, it's probably those two guys. But I mean, I I Hart can also get out running. Like he's gonna Kevin Love doesn't does this weird thing he plays hard he just doesn't get back on offense mm-hmm. like there's tons of guys who don't get back on defense <laughs> love doesn't get back on offense he's kind of chills and then he just sort of walks and then he kind of jogs back and then and then he he gets these trailer threes out of it i was um, say that but, it's almost helpful because you have to pay attention to him just just creeping up as the trailer yeah i mean i think i think randall loves it because he can kind of chill, chill yeah. with love, or or Mitchell Robinson loves it. He can chill with love, but it actually is, it's actually really bad for Randall because it just sets the table for him to just be like, okay, it's time to yeah, we can all calm down here, everybody. What if that's why he's doing it? What if it's the greatest galaxy brain move ever? This <laughs> this <laughs> this is all Spolstra just saying, hey, you need you need to set the tone. For Julius, just be as lazy as possible at moments <laughs> in the game, signaling to Julius that this is how you play playoff basketball. Yeah, because Kevin Love isn't isn't lazy and is really well conditioned. And like, I I get that he's up there in age, but like, he's well conditioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's look, Kevin Kevin Love takes flack for his defense and everything, but no one could ever say Kevin Love doesn't play hard. He doesn't care. Like no, no yeah. one would ever say that about Kevin Love, you know. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, there are times where he just he just doesn't as much run back. Like, like Josh Hart can he, he gets rebounds and he just freaking goes on defensive rebounds. Like, yeah. Knicks might be able to get another bucket in transition anyway. But back to the Julius point, like they are not um, able, like they just don't have the guys right now. And and even if Tibbs were motivated to play Julius less, it's just it's not it's not there. Like you're not gonna play Robinson and Hartenstein together. You know, you're not you're not gonna do that. And and there are only so many combinations that you have. Like when and, and when you're down three one, look, there are probably a lot of Knicks fans who will disagree with this. But when you're down three one, you 
you go with the guys who, who, for the most part, you have to go with the guys who have gotten you there. Like mm-hmm. not not to down three one, but but gotten you to where you are. Like you have to. It's they're not going to come back from this series. Maybe they can steal a game because Toppin plays twenty eight minutes and he hits five threes. Maybe they can steal a game because that happens. They're not going to win this series and win three games in a row against Miami with Julius Randle just like being out of out of the mix, you know? Yeah. And if they do, they're not going to win in the next round against Boston or Philly mm-hmm. with Julius Randle being out in the mix. For the Knicks to be the best version of themselves, they need Julius Randle to be the best version of himself. Uh, and and he hasn't been. And And some of that might be on the sprained ankle that he's playing on. I think a lot of it is just on him. Like, but, but I don't think you can deviate. He's too important. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I, I think kind of the, one of like the big nails in the coffin for the Knicks is just how poorly on offense the Heat played in the fourth quarter. Like they were just offering the game to the Knicks over and over again. They're 0 of 9 from three in the fourth quarter, six of 22 overall in the fourth. They could not buy a bucket. And yet, like the Knicks could not take advantage of that. I mean, they they were they played about as bad as they have all playoffs. I mean, for a team that's seven and two in the playoffs, this is as bad as they played in that whole fourth quarter. And still, like the Knicks couldn't take advantage. And I I think that that moment was one that they should have grabbed. We sh- this should be two two heading into Game Five. Um, but I think like that is something that I will probably look back on if the Heat move on and say like that was probably like the moment that I think everything just turned where I was like, okay, this is definitely going the Heat's way. Yeah, well, you know what's amazing? We talk about all the offensive rebounds that the Heat got in the fourth quarter. How many of them you think were from big men? Seven <laughs> offensive boards for, from individuals. Nine team offensive boards. Uh, Nine team offensive boards. The way boards. you're talking, I would say zero. Zero. <laughs> I'd say zero. zero. It felt mm-hmm. like it felt like Caleb Martin had like a hundred in the Caleb quarter. Martin. Caleb Martin had a hundred and two, hundred and two yeah. rebounds in the fourth quarter. <laughs> it, it felt like that. I, I can't imagine what it would. It felt like to be a Knicks fan last night, watching that fourth quarter, because usually you'll have like one or two of those gut punches, you know, in a fourth quarter where it's just like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this. But that felt like the entire fourth quarter. Where like yeah. the Heat were just so bad, but yet they still stayed engaged, and like they still and some of it was like Kyle Lowry had an offensive rebound where the ball just bounced right to him, but then there were other times where you could just see the Knicks just standing flat-footed, standing straight up, and just kind of watching the ball go to a Heat player that was flying around, and that those moments, if I were a Knicks fan, would have killed me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Caleb Martin had three offensive boards. Lowry had a couple. Jimmy Butler had a couple. It's... You can't let a team beat you to that many loose balls. They were like all long rebounds. Yeah. And what was happening was yeah. the Knicks the Knicks were all running in on the shot, and the ball was going over their heads. Uh, or like yep. you said, other guys were just kind of standing flat-footed and watching. And it was, I mean, it Miami is something else. I can't get over Miami in this series. I, I really can't. I. How much is money is Max Struess going to make on the market this summer? By the way. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Max Max Struess, who who somebody on my timeline, I forget who, and tweeted out during the game that the only thing they know about Max Struess is that he looks like Nick Kroll, like that <laughs> that. That dude is gonna make money. Like he is, he is freaking good. He is a, a good, really good player. player. He is, he is a good role player, and and he gets crap for his defense. Yeah, and he's never gonna be a defensive stopper. But you know what? He plays so hard on defense. He plays really hard, and he takes charges, and he takes charges against Giannis, and he takes charges against Randall, and like. He's he's pretty good positionally. Like, yeah, you can attack him one on one, 
But you know what the Knicks have not done a good job of? Another thing, by the way, in this series, the Knicks offense finished third in points per possession during the regular season. You would never know that from watching this series. Part of the reason is because the Knicks were one of the best isolation teams in the NBA during the regular season. Uh, Jalen Brunson was unbelievable on isolations. Julius Randle was actually great on isolations. Knicks had a really, really high points per possession on plays that ended in Randle isolations. And it was also because of all the offensive rebounds. They would miss shots, and, and Mitchell Robinson was just extraordinary. I mean, best best in the Eastern. Him and Steven Adams were the two best offensive rebounders in the league. And same with Hartenstein, and then same with Josh Hart. And Quickly's really good offensive rebounder for a guard and all this stuff. And so what they were so good at was getting the mismatch they want. And this happened during the Cleveland series a lot. Like Jalen Brunson was able to get Jetty Osmond guarding him, was able to get Isaac Okoro off of him, uh, and, and was able to go at these mismatches and score. And their offense was not great in the Cleveland series, but it was good enough. In this series, they're not getting the mismatches they want. And, and I feel like a lot of times they're just settling. Uh, you know, Randall is just kind of going at Bam out of bio. It's not working, and it's not going to. I There was a game in March where Randall went for 46 points in Miami, and he hit a game winner, fall-away three-pointer. It was an unbelievable performance from him. And in that game, Bam was guarding him, and Randall was going at Bam, and he killed him. He was mm-hmm. blowing by him. He was scoring over him. He was scoring through him. He was getting to the line. He was hitting jumpers. Randall annihilated Bam, Um, and because it was Bam guarding him pretty much the whole way, he scored. I forget what he shot in that game, but it was it was ridiculously good. And and because Bam guarded him that whole way, I wonder if that just gave Randall like this sense of like I can beat this guy, I can beat this guy, and he keeps going at Bam, and it has not worked at all in this series. Yeah, Uh, R.J. Barrett. As you know, the the beginning of the series, RJ was playing really well, and Gabe Vincent was guarding him. And Gabe Vincent is pesky and strong and scraps sure. at you. But there's a big there's a big size and strength difference with him guarding RJ. RJ was going at Gabe Vincent. It was working really well. Game three, the Heat switched the matchups, and Jimmy Butler became his primary defender. And RJ still just going at Jimmy Butler like he's Gabe Vincent. And mm-hmm. it's like it's not working. There's a reason why RJ's production has, has fallen off. Although he 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 finished solidly, like very solidly in game four, I thought, and has mostly been been good for the Knicks in this playoff run. He is he's certainly not the problem. Uh but they're they're going at the Heat's best defenders. Uh if they can find a way to get some mismatches going, like the way they operate in the regular season, that might be another way. Like be find a way to attack Strews. Find a way to attack Love, which they did a little bit in game four. They had a nice offensive stretch in the third quarter of that game. And it was when they were putting yeah. Love in, in pick and rolls. Uh, they, you know, find find a way to attack Duncan freaking Robinson. There was a playing game, too, where Emmanuel quickly is in the corner. Duncan Robinson is guarding him. R.J. Barrett goes into the paint. He's triple teamed. There's tons of time left on the clock, and RJ just puts up a bad shot out of the triple team and misses. And it's like, you've got Duncan Robinson guarding Emmanuel quickly. I understand that quickly is massively struggled in the playoffs, but you got Duncan Robinson guarding Emmanuel quickly, and you have an offense based on just seeing little scabs and just picking at him and picking at him. Gross mm-hmm. analogy. Gross analogy. I will never say that ever again. Please Sorry. Don't. I think the second picking at him was really. <laughs> What ruined it. Uh, but they're just, they're not recognizing that stuff. They're, uh, you know, gross analogy, appropriate though. Nick's half court offense. Agreed. Their half court offense is game. just. It's a gross game last night from the Knicks. Yeah. Yeah. Their, their half court offense is just, you would not know that this was one of the best half court offenses in the league. And one of the best half court offenses in the league in, in the greatest, most efficient scoring era in the history of the game. Uh, you would not know that from watching this. Team yeah, the regular the regular season was not predictive for this series in almost any way at all. No, but no, but the hist- but the hist- but the hist- like the overall history 
of the players in this series, I think is like the overarching storylines of all of these players is kind of more predictive than the regular season was. Yeah. Because if you sure. were to say, I mean, if you were to say like Jimmy Butler and Bam at a bio versus Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, you'd be like, Oh yeah, give me, give me Jimmy and Bam. Like, let's go. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's also the fact that Miami is one win away from its third Eastern conference finals in four years. Yeah. It, it's like, they just, they just find a way they were, they were I mean we might we might get a there's a possibility we get a a Heat Celtics rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals from last year when Miami was yeah. one Jimmy Butler three away from going to the finals. And then there's a possibility that we get Jimmy versus Embiid. Like Embiid's yeah. Embiid's favorite teammate ever, it sure as hell seems like, right? Either one would and, be unbelievable. And we're gonna um, be sitting there talking about the Sixers let Jimmy get away. And then there's a small chance, just an ever so small chance, that we get Miles McBride versus Marcus Smart, which sounds like a blast. That's that's all Miles McBride wants to be. That's all he wants to be. Yeah, he just wants to be like like Miles McBride loves. He loves Kyle Lowry. Like even after the game last night, he's like Miles McBride is the, the the last the edge of the rotation point guard for the Knicks and is just like this is why it's so weird to see what's happening with the Knicks because they have guys like this yeah he's he's 22 years old he was a second round pick he plays so hard he really thinks and studies the game he's a he's you the dude loves the game breeze lives the game his brother's a pro too and he, his favorite players are like Kyle Lowry, Drew Holiday, Marcus Smart. Like, those are all of his favorite players. And that's how he plays. And I'm not saying that Miles McBride is going to win them this series or even impact this series beyond, you know, a, a defensive possession here or there. Mm-hmm. But they have a lot of players who think that way. Grimes thinks that way. Quickly thinks that way. Uh, Jalen Brunson thinks that way, and he's the best player on the team. Yeah. Uh, they they have they're not the only ones. Hartenstein thinks that way. M- Mitchell Robinson takes a lot of pride in his defense and his rebounding, and wants to make an all defense team. and 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 was unbelievable defensively in the first round. They have a lot of guys with that mentality, with that attitude, and yet they're getting out hustled. They're getting mm-hmm. they're getting outclassed, and, and that's why it's. It's weird to see. It's it's that's the su- most surprise. I'm not shocked they're losing to the Heat. I mean, the Heat are clearly an impeccable organization. Like we can make fun of Heat culture all we want, but that thing is real. <laughs> Keep showing up. Yep, Keep showing but, up. Uh, but it's weird Fred, how much they're getting outclassed. Yeah, Fred, we need to get you and your lime green shirt onto an airplane. So we're gonna let you go. Uh, anything you'd like to plug before we go? Uh, literally, literally nothing. Just read, read my articles or don't, you know, that's fine. No, 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 you should, you should go to the athletic.com slash NBA show and you can get Fred's articles at a discounted rate. Yes. And everybody else's, I, I would like to plug, um, Chris Kirshner's work covering the Yankees. Okay. Great. (laughs) Doing a great job. Doing a great job. Yan- Yankees can't score a run for crap, although they've been okay the last couple of days. I just want to plug Chris Kirshner's work. And I want to plug Will Guillory's work, who's filling in on the heat yeah. for us. And Will yeah. is just the man. I was supposed to podcast with Will after the game and got caught up with, with working on, on something else. And, 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 and Will was supposed to podcast, and Will just sat there like – waiting for me and I forgot to tell Will that we weren't podcasting anymore and you and I were oh, gonna do it in the no. morning. I forgot to tell him and Will just oh, sat no. there. And I'm I'm literally sitting next to him in the media room <laughs> and I'm just writing and working and and he's and he's like uh and I'm like uh, when when are you getting out of here? He's like, oh I'm just I'm just writing till we go. And he meant till we podcast and I, I thought yeah. he meant like till we leave. And I just, I just was so distracted. I had in my mind that I told him, and Will's just sitting there. He doesn't say a thing. 
He doesn't complain at all. He's not like, Fred, it's midnight now. When are we doing this? Like the game ended two hours ago. Like what, what's the deal? And I, and I just turned to him and I'm like, you want to take off? And he's like, well, when do you want to pod? And I'm just like, oh crap. So I want to plug Will Guillory, who's like the best guy. And he's the best uh, guy. I agree. He is like the greatest guy. And I just want to plug Will Guillory. His work has been so good. The way he just switched off the Pelicans onto the heat in this series. Uh, Shout out to Will Guillory. Just the greatest teammate. Uh, okay, quick and prediction. And I'm an asshole, clearly. <laughs> quick, quick prediction. Who's, who's going to win this series? And then, and which game does this series end? I think I got to say Heat in five. Yeah, it feels that way. I just don't. They, they've just outplayed them the whole series. They've played in the whole series. I mean, it's except for it's one possible. game when Jimmy Butler did not play. Yeah, and that's and, that's like one of the most concerning things to me. Yeah, totally. I mean, I just the Heat are sharks, man, and there's blood in the water. Yeah. It, it just, yeah, it seems like that. Maybe the Knicks just kind of get revitalized going home. But if that's the case, then I would just say Heat and six. Um, but I'm yeah, yeah, sure. Seems like Heat and five, and I picked the Knicks before the series, and I'm gonna be. Supposed to know the Hicks, the Knicks better than anyone, right? And I picked the Cavs to beat the Knicks in the first round. I picked the Knicks mm-hmm. to beat the Heat in the second round. It's just like get this hack out of here, get this <laughs> hack in the, get this hack in the green shirt. You, I, I would be, a, <laughs> I would somehow be more say, professional right now if I were just shirtless. Yeah, no, no, that is not true. Don't do do not put that onto our YouTube page. Do not do not even say that. I mean, there, um, we no. have a colleague that in the middle of the pandemic, I'm throwing him under the bus, but I'm not going to say his name. We have a colleague that in the middle of the pandemic, when everything was over Zoom and we were having these company wide Zoom meetings, we do have a colleague who 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 showed up to the Zoom meeting company wide with like the heads of the company and everything just literally shirtless just not wearing a shirt and his zoom camera on and all i did was was screenshot his zoom and send it to a group chat that that was i was what is happening here it's the one thing i miss about the pandemic is just shirtless colleagues showing up to zoom meetings uh thanks so much for listening to this edition of the tampering podcast if you want to hear more about the the Lakers Warriors series. One, you can tune into Warriors Plus Minus, which is a podcast on our podcast network. Uh, it's a great show. And then you can also listen to the Daily Ding from last night. They covered that uh, series and that game in detail. I uh, hope you guys have an awesome day, and we'll talk to you guys again next time. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.